Well, let's open our Bibles this morning to the book of Mark chapter 4. Uh, I've titled the message today, The Faith That Overcomes. The Faith That Overcomes. You know, last week, and I hope you got the CD from last week, or if you haven't gotten the CD, I hope you've downloaded the message from our website, because that was a very important sermon um, on the fact that you are too important to be ignored. Amen. Uh, your assignment from God is too important to be ignored. You are a significant person. The reason why you are on planet Earth is that you have an assignment from God. Uh, and therefore, it is important that um, you recognize that uh, you are too important to be ignored by the devil. Your assignment is too important to be ignored by the devil. You are too important to ignore yourself. You need to make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given. Uh, and you are too important for God to ignore you. He'll never ignore you. Uh, the Bible says, if God be for us, how can we lose? Amen. Hallelujah. But with that in mind, um, I, I want to look at some principles today of the faith that overcomes. The faith that overcomes. You, you know, you, you are too important to be ignored by the devil, but the Bible says that whatever is born of God overcomes the world. He's going to throw things at you, but you have an answer for everything he throws in your direction. You know, we looked at 1 Peter 4.16 last week that we shouldn't consider it strange when we have attacks. Because our assignment is too important to be ignored by the devil, but the Bible says that whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Time after time, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. But we need to understand the faith that overcomes. Because there are a lot of things that are called faith that are not faith. Hallelujah. In Mark chapter 4, verse 33, Jesus had just been speaking to them about the kingdom of God. We know he had spoken to them through many parables. Um, we know, for instance, that he talked about the parable of the soils. Mark 4.14 says that the sower sows the word. And he talked about the different kinds of um, heart. And the fact that the type of heart that you have is going to determine the productivity of the word. He, he was talking over and over again to them about the, uh, the kingdom of God. And verse 33 says... And with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. And without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. Everyone say he explained all things to them. I say it again, he explained all things to them. You know, every time that the word of God is planted in your heart there is going to be a test. In fact, earlier in the, in the discourse in verse 16, Jesus was talking about the parable of the soils, and he mentioned about the seed that was sown on stony ground. And he said, these are the ones that hear the word, and they received it with gladness. Um, but when um, persecution and affliction arose because of the word, they were quickly offended and they stumbled. 
So every time the word of God is planted in your life, there is going to be a test. Affliction and persecution. Because the enemy knows that the word is the secret of your productivity. I said the word of God is the secret of your productivity and is the secret to you fulfilling the assignment of God over your life. The Bible says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts and my ways higher than your ways. But as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and does not return thither, but waters the earth and causes it to bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, uh, so is my word that goes out of my mouth. So the word is the secret to your productivity. Hallelujah. Everyone say, the word of God is the secret to my productivity. Or say it like you believe it. The word of God is the secret to my productivity. So whenever the word of God is planted, there will be a test. Satan is going to want to uproot the word that is sown. Hallelujah. So you are an illustrated sermon because the sermon you have received, you are going to be tested with it. So Jesus had just finished explaining all things about the kingdom to them. And then verse 35 says, on the same day. Now that's significant. So he had taught them and this sermon was about to be what? Illustrated. Okay? Because Satan, affliction, persecution will always arise for the word's sake. He says, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and all the little boats were also with him. And a great storm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling up or filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, How can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, Jesus said, Let us go to the other side. And a sudden storm arose. Now, I was doing some studying on this. And apparently, the Sea of Galilee is notorious even today for sudden violent storms. Um, that arise there, and it's because the Sea of Galilee is actually under sea level, and therefore, because the particular of the particular topography of the of the land, it is uh, susceptible to a lot of storms. Storms happen quickly 
in that area of the world, and there are very little means of predicting them. Now, the Bible says that the storm was so violent and it was so ferocious that the boat they were in was already filling up. By the time you have expert uh, fishermen afraid of a storm, you know that there's something to be afraid of. I mean, this was what they did, okay? They knew about the Sea of Galilee. They knew the kind of storms that um, um, it was reputed for. And on this occasion, the Bible says they were afraid. The ship was filling off. It was about to uh, capsize or be submerged. They were at a risk of, the, of losing their lives, and they were afraid. And then they went to Jesus. And you know, the way they addressed him was actually, uh, it was a very disrespectful and stinging way in which they, they addressed him because the, the Living Bible Translation paraphrase puts it this way. It says, frantically, they wakened him shouting, teacher, don't you even care that we are all about to drown? Now, now this was not a cry for deliverance. This was not access to the might and power of God. This was like, Lord, we're all dying, including you. Um, how can you be asleep in the midst of impending death? Jesus got up, rebuked them for having no faith. He spoke to the sea. He commanded peace. And there was an immediate calm. Um, and they got to the other side. But he rebuked them for having no faith. Now I find it interesting because here, is, here are people with a problem. They go to God about it. And God shows up and rebukes them for having no faith. Now when we have a problem and go to God about it, we call it what? We call it prayer, don't we? Now, now, can you imagine going to God in prayer and he rebukes you for having no faith? That means that just because you tell God about it doesn't mean it's prayer. Are you with me this morning? Because, you know, Jesus was in the stern of the boat. Uh, they went to him. They woke him up and said, do you not care that we are perishing? Uh, it, it sounds like some of our prayer times, doesn't it? Lord, do you not see what I am going through? Do you not see the issues I'm facing? Do you not care that this is about to happen to me? Jesus got up, spoke to the sea, and rebuked them for having no faith. In fact... One translation says, why is it that you still have no faith? In other words, I have just been telling you about the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God works. Why is it that in spite of what you have been taught, you still have no faith? So the question is, why did Jesus rebuke them? What was it about what they did that was ineffective 
and demonstrated their lack of faith. You know, as I said earlier, the Bible says that um, when the word is sown, persecution and affliction will arise because of the word. Because of the word. And the reason why these people were offended was because the word hadn't been implanted in their hearts. The Bible says that because it was sown among stones, it did not have roots in them. It was not rooted. So when the pressure came, instantly or immediately they were offended. It was not rooted within them. Say to your neighbor, it wasn't rooted. Uh, say to the other neighbor, it wasn't rooted. Now, um, when Jesus got up, he responded to the wave, and the Bible says he spoke peace to the waves. He spoke peace to the waves. You know, if the pressures of life challenge the destiny that God has spoken over your life, you have every right to walk over to that storm and speak peace to it and watch it bow before the might of the power of God. You know, Jesus had already spoken their destiny. He said, let us go to the other side. That's the word of God. He said, let us go to the other side. Now, that word was going to be tested, and he expected that word to be so implanted in their hearts that when the pressure came against the word, they will stand before the pressure and release peace into that storm. You know, uh, Paul Martini was here a few months ago, and he talked about the power of peace. He talked about the fact that peace is a tangible force. The Bible says in Romans 16, 20, that the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The God of peace. Not the God of power, but the God of peace. Because in peace is the power of God revealed. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. When we release the peace of God from our hearts against circumstances, it releases the power of God and it crushes the storms of life. Jesus said in John 14, 25, he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Whenever there's fear in your heart, it means that peace is not there. Whenever there's fear in your heart, it means that peace is not there because peace is the thing or the force that mounts God over your heart. So whenever there's fear in your heart, it is an indication that there is something missing. Peace is not there. 
And the reason why peace is not there is because the word that produces peace has not been implanted in your heart. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says in the book of Philippians chapter 4 verse 6, it says, do not be anxious for anything. Now, that is not a suggestion, that is a command. It says, don't be anxious of anything. And the root of anxiety is fear. So it's saying, don't allow fear to get into your heart about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known unto God, and then the peace of God which passes all understanding, will guard or mount guard and garrison your heart and keep it in Christ Jesus. So when the word is implanted in your heart about a matter, the peace of God will mount guard over your heart. And as a result, fear will not be able to come in. And as a result, you can stand and face the storm and release the power of God's peace. He says, why are you so fearful? They were fearful because they had heard the word, but the word had not been implanted. And therefore, when the test came, they were rattled by it. They were surprised by the test. Oh, we're with Jesus. How come we are going through a storm? Just because Jesus is not in you, or just because Jesus is in you, does not mean that you wouldn't go through a storm. In fact, because Jesus is in you, you will attract some storms because they are trying to dislodge the power of the presence of God on the inside of you. Uh, are you with me? Is everybody here this morning? The power of God's peace the power of God's peace. The implanted word in your heart always produces peace. Hebrews calls it rest. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says that they that have believed enter into rest. There is a peace and that peace must be released against the storm. But the word must be implanted in our hearts. You know, many years ago, Brother Hagin told a, a story of something that happened in the U.S., uh, basically, I think it was some kind of a fairground, and there was going to be this hot air balloon display. So there were three guys that were setting up this hot air balloon, and, and they had, um, they had um, the balloon pegged to the ground, just, you know, as they were preparing for um, the exhibition, and, you know, there were a lot of people on the fairground. But unfortunately, one of the pegs, um, that was holding the balloon down, came out. So all of a sudden, this balloon just, you know, lifted into the air. And the guys that were around just held on to, there were some ropes, you know, that, that was used to sort of tie the peg and secure it to the ground. So three of the guys held on to the ropes, hoping to, you know, pull the hot air balloon down, you know. This balloon that is, you know, uh, God knows how the, the number of cubits, uh, meters of air. Of course, they couldn't hold it down. So before they realized what was happening, they, the balloon and themselves, were lifted into the air. And, um, you know, they realized that very quickly, um, 
the, the rate of, you know, uh, the, the lift was higher than or quicker than they expected. So they, they couldn't let go of the rope because now they were too far away from the ground. So they were trying to hold on to these ropes for their life. Everybody on the fairground was looking up, you know, aghast and shocked at what, what had happened because this happened so quickly. After about 15 minutes, the first guy could not hold on. He let go and he, 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 he fell to his death. About 30 minutes later, the second guy um, couldn't hold on. And of course, I mean, everyone is watching. This thing is going up. The guy lets go and falls to his death. Now, the third guy managed to hold on. And they all waited for the inevitable. But the first hour passed, the second hour passed, and the guy was still holding on. And after a while, the, the balloon started coming down. And, and when the guy finally got to the ground, everyone rushed to him because they wanted to know how he did it. Now, apparently, as soon as the balloon sort of got off the ground, what the guy did was he took the rope and knotted it around himself. So he was not holding on to the rope. The rope was holding on to him. He was not holding on to the rope. The rope was holding on to him. You know, don't hold on to the word. Let the word hold on to you. Are you with me? Let the word hold on to you. You don't have the power in yourself. The power is in the word. And that is why the Bible says that my son, attend to my word. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. It talks about binding the word of God around your neck. It is through meditation on the promises of God that we bind the word around our necks. David said in Psalm 119 verse 49... He said, God, remember the word unto your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction because your word has given me life. He says, your word has quickened me. Your word has given me life. I don't have life in myself apart from the word. Hallelujah. I cannot keep myself in peace. It is the word, the promise of, of God that I have implanted in my heart that keeps my heart in peace. Uh, are you with me? Persecution, affliction will always arise for the sake or because of the word. It will always arise because of the word. But when the word is implanted in our hearts, there is an atmosphere of peace, and in the midst of the storm, we will be able to release peace. Hallelujah. Because the peace of God is the conduit of the power of God in the earth. It is the conduit of the power of God in the earth. Let the word of God produce peace in you. Hallelujah. If you don't have peace on a matter then uh, the word of God has not produced peace in you. Hallelujah. Let the word of God produce peace in you through meditation. 
book of Revelation chapter 3. Let's look very quickly at how this is done. Revelation chapter 3. One of the letters to the church, the church of Philadelphia. Revelation chapter 3. Verse 7. It says, and the angel of the church of, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, this thing says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. He said he opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. You know, if Christ is in me, then the word of God to me is that every door concerning my destiny, he opens to me. You, you know, for the word to produce peace in your heart, as we meditate on it, we must personalize it. Okay? It says, he's the one that opens a door and no man can shut it. So, the door of my destiny is open to me. And no one can shut it. And in my heart, I must see that as the case. So when a door looks closed, I must testify to the door that this door is open to me. He says it's the one that shuts and no one can open it. The door to my past has been shut. The, the door to the sins of the past that have been confessed have been forgiven. And therefore, that door is shut. And therefore, my life will not succumb to the strife of tongues. Are you with me? Now, now I'm showing you what you are meant to do with the word. You, you are meant to declare, based on this word, that, that no weapon formed against me prospers. Do you notice that when Jesus got up, when the disciples went and woke him up, woke him up Jesus didn't say, you know what? Let us just trust God through the storm. He didn't say, well, let us just get together and believe God and trust God through the storm and we'll be okay. No, he was active, wasn't he? A lot of times we think that um, trusting God means that we should be at peace. And being at peace means just be quiet about it. No, peace must be released. Hallelujah. Peace must be released. You don't just keep quiet about it. You release peace. Hallelujah. He says, it's the one that opens the door and no one can shut it. He says, for you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. He says, you have a little strength. Now, that sounds like a negative confession, right? But this was a compliment that he was actually giving to the church at Philadelphia. That they had a little strength. You know, if you put a hundred percent of your little strength in the hand of God, it is more than enough to overcome every onslaught of the devil because the Lord will make up the difference. When you 
put your five loaves and two fish in the hands of Jesus, Jesus will bless it and use it to feed the 5,000. The strength you have is enough. As long as you put all your strength in the hands of God, in your weakness, you will be made strong by his strength. Hallelujah. Stop saying, oh, if only I had more faith. Oh, if only I had more strength. Oh, if only I had more talent. Oh, if only I had more opportunities. No. He says you have a little strength. Hallelujah. Thank God for the strength you have. God will use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise and the weak things of this world to confound the mighty. <laughs> you know, I was um, reading an article in, I think it was the, in The Economist, about some of the appointments, uh, some of the ministerial appointments. And there was, you know, a scathing, how many of you read this article, you know, um, in The Economist, there was a scathing uh, analysis about the current minister of uh, finance, and then there was a throwaway comment about the minister of trade. And when I, when I read it, I smiled, because they do not understand that God will use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And the weak things to confound the mighty. It doesn't matter what people say about you. Yeah? It does not matter what people say about you. What are you saying about yourself? Hallelujah. What are you saying about yourself? It was the people that were celebrating a few years ago and talking about how great they were that are now being indicted today. So we say thank you, the economist. Uh, mind your own business. Um, you know... We will, we will measure, the, the foolish things will confound the wise. Are you with me? So it does not matter what people are saying about you. Are you aligning with what God says about you? What is your heart embracing? What do you believe concerning yourself? Is what you believe concerning yourself what people have said or what Jesus has said about you? How implanted is the word of God about you in your heart? How much of your identity is being determined by what Jesus says about you as opposed to what others are saying about you. Hallelujah. And when the opposition comes, do you just keep quiet and say, well, God will show them, uh, God will do what he wants to do. Or would you stand up in the midst of the storm and speak into the storm and release the power of God's peace from within your heart? The peace of God is never passive. Hallelujah. The peace of God is never passive. The peace of God is active. Look at the book of uh, Isaiah 55. You know, a few weeks ago, um, uh, an, uh, a friend of mine uh, in the States was having his 10th anniversary as the pastor of the church. And, um, you know, so the church wanted to have a surprise party for him or a surprise celebration for him. So, uh, without his knowledge, the church sent Anita and I tickets and booked everything and said we must come uh, because he's a good friend of mine. Um, I've known him for many years. So, we went to the States and, and we did this big birthday surprise or anniversary surprise. It was so, it was so I mean, it was actually uh, Sam Hager's pastor, you know, Pastor Sam that was here. It's Pastor Sam's pastor and he wept like a child through the services, first service, second service, you know. And, but before we went... Um, 
and Edith had been praying for him, and the Lord gave her a dream about him, which was quite interesting, and I, was gonna, I wanted to share it to illustrate what I'm talking about here today. And basically, in this dream, um, she saw the pastor holding a cup of orange juice. And, it, and, and there was somebody that needed the orange juice and came to him and asked for it and said, you know, could you give me some orange juice? So the pastor said, no, I'm not going to give it to you. Okay, so the dream is looking like it's going south, right? So the pastor said, no, I'm not going to give it to you. How much do you have? Because I'm not going give to give it to you for free. You have to buy it. And he said, I don't have any money. How, uh, and he said, well, this orange juice is $300 for this cup of orange juice. So pastor rips off congregation member selling that which should be given for free. Anyway, so we think love means that something is free and therefore it's cheap. So he said, it's $300 for this cup of orange juice. And the guy said, well, I don't have anything. And he said, what do you have? And the guy brought out some money. And the Lord said in the dream, I will make up the difference. He said, I will make up the difference. I found the dream quite uh, interesting. Because, you know, three, uh, it's speaking about the way we transact in the kingdom of God. Yeah? Yeah? The way we transact in God's kingdom. You know, we think that, well, because we're in Christ uh, and everything is ours, we don't need to do anything. No, there are things we need to do. Uh, are you with me? Now, now, it speaks about a spiritual transaction. Everything we want is ours, but we need to buy it. You know, three is the number of divine completeness. It speaks about the way heaven transacts. And heaven transacts with faith. That is, that is the currency of heaven, isn't it? It is saying that what you want is yours, but there is a, it is an expensive item. The only currency that works here is faith. So in every engagement with the kingdom of God, God evokes, he evokes faith in you. There is a faith transaction that must take place. The Bible says the grace of God that provides all things is accessed by faith. Everyone say accessed. Romans 5.2 says that the grace of God, he says we have access by faith. We have access by faith. We have access by faith. That thing which you desire, you have access by faith. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Faith is our access. Everyone say faith is our access. You know, I've come up with a, a new definition of faith. I believe that looking at the story of Jesus and the interaction with, uh, of Jesus with the disciples in the boat, I believe that a true definition of faith is that faith is the release of peace. Hallelujah. Faith is the release of what? Of peace. You see, there are a lot of people that are saying things, but their hearts 
is not in peace on the matter. Are you with me? There are a lot of people that are saying all kinds of things, but on the inside, it is not peace on the inside, it is fear. And they are hoping that through their confession, they would eradicate fear. Our confession does not eradicate fear. It is the word of God that eradicates fear. Hallelujah. The word of God must be answered with the truth. And that truth must become the atmosphere of your spiritual man. Because it is that truth that will be released and will release peace into the storm. Hallelujah. Look at the book of Mark chapter 11. We're talking about the faith that overcomes. The faith that overcomes. The faith that has access to the wisdom of God. The faith that receives clarity and illumination. The faith that releases power. Because the Bible says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Look at Mark 11. Hallelujah. Mark 11 verse 23. It says, for assuredly. What does the word assuredly mean? It means definitely. This is an emphatic confirmation of the truth that is about to be expounded. In other words, you could say, you could, take this, you could take this to the bank. It says, for assuredly I say to you that whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall, or you will have them. The believe you receive them and you shall have them. Um, you know, contrary to um, what we do, Jesus actually gave us the recipe for releasing the peace of God in every situation. And the recipe is simply this. He says, fill your heart with the word because the only way you can believe in your heart that what you say comes to pass is if your heart is in peace. If you have the word of God on the matter. Amen. Faith always begins where the will of God is known. Faith always begins where the will of God is known. If you don't know the will of God on a matter, you cannot have faith on that matter. And you can only know the will of God in the matter when you have seen in the scriptures the promises of God concerning that matter. Or the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, confirmed by Scripture, on this particular item. You cannot release faith if you don't know the will of God. So he says, believe it in your heart. So that word must be implanted in your heart. Fear must be dealt with because the word now has its place in your heart. And then he says, begin to speak to the situation. You know, I haven't come across people yet, or very many people, that actually speak to things. We get uncomfortable with speaking to things. We get un uncomfortable speaking to our circumstances. We get uncomfortable speaking to our bank balance. We get uncomfortable speaking um, to our businesses. 
Well, you know, it is through the words of your mouth that come from your heart that you release peace. Amen. A few verses before this, Jesus had just spoken to a tree. Hallelujah. You know, the last time you spoke to something was the last time you released your faith. The last time you spoke to something was the last time you released peace. Amen. If you haven't spoken to something lately, then you haven't given opportunity for the peace of God in your heart to be released to quell storms. Amen. And is in the process of speaking to things, coming from a heart that is established with the word, that wisdom and illumination comes. Hallelujah. It is in the midst of that, that wisdom and illumination comes. Faith is the release of peace. It's the release of peace. It's the release of peace. And that's why Jesus rebuked his disciples in Mark chapter 4. He says, are you still without faith? Are you still without faith? You know, this morning, um, I, I want us to practice this. I want us to practice this this morning. I want us to practice this this morning. Because, you know, as a child of God, as a member of the kingdom of God, um, the Bible says that we have been delivered from the authority of darkness and we've been planted into the kingdom of his dear son. Uh, and, and therefore, uh, we operate in a kingdom and, and we need to learn the rules of the kingdom and become familiar with how the kingdom works to see change in our lives. So this morning, I'm going to have us um, go through a time of, of confession of the word. But, but we're going to meditate the word and, we're, and then we're going to begin to declare it over our lives and declare it over our children uh, so that we, we practice. We use this as a, should I say, as a, a, a kickstart, if we're not already doing it, uh, as a kickstart in our lives. You know, Christianity is called the great confession. Uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago that I believe it's also the great meditation. It is the great meditation and confession. Amen. The great meditation and confession. The great meditation and confession. So there are a couple of verses of scripture that I want us to, um, to use as a framework for this this morning. Uh, the, the first one is, is in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. We'll just take a couple of verses. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2.10. I know every verse of Scripture creates peace in our hearts. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, the very first thing we do with the word is we must personalize it. So if we're going to personalize this, we'll say, for I am. I am his workmanship. 
created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God preferred, prepared beforehand that I should walk in them. So I am his workmanship. Now, what is a workmanship? A workmanship is a handiwork. It is a design, something he has designed, and it is the product of his hands. So I am his workmanship, created in Christ for good works. So that means that Christ, when I was born again, when you came into Christ, the Bible says, um, all things are passed away and all things have become new. Everything about your life in Christ has come from him. Like Funke was mentioning earlier on, when God looks at you, he sees you in Christ. And you know, if you're not impressed with yourself, that means you haven't seen yourself in Christ. Amen. If you think about yourself and you are disappointed with yourself, then it means that you have not seen yourself in Christ. Because in Christ, you are quite impressive. Amen. In Christ, you are impressive. And it is by looking at that picture of yourself in Christ that your behavior changes to the picture that you see. Hallelujah. It says we are His workmanship. Not my workmanship, but His workmanship. We are the product of His design. Hallelujah. And the Bible says that all things are of God. We are the product of His design. Now, now, affliction is going to arise for the word's sake. You might fall on your face tomorrow or last night and the devil says, you sinner you. The Bible calls the devil the accuser of the brethren. Notice it didn't say he's the false accuser of the brethren. He actually has evidence, but his evidence is not based on truth. It is based on fact. Hallelujah. It is not based on truth. It is based on fact. And if you keep focusing on the facts, then the facts will keep replicating themselves in your life. But when you focus on truth, then the facts begin to change in con and conform to truth. Amen. And when affliction arises for the word's sake, the word that must be released must come from the peace in your heart that is based on what God has said about the matter. The atmosphere of your heart must be so affected by the word that that is what you see. Hallelujah. That is what you see. Paul says we do not, we, we do not um, evaluate anyone anymore from a human perspective. We evaluate ourselves from our place in Christ. Hallelujah. We must evaluate ourselves from our place in Christ. Otherwise, the storms of life will come into your heart. And when the, fear of this, the fears of life and the anxiety of life comes into your heart, you are defeated. Hallelujah. Peace is what mounts guard over our hearts. Peace is produced by the revelation of the truth in our hearts. And it is as, as we speak that word of peace... That storms are quelled and we make progress in life. Amen. Let us stand this morning. Hallelujah. I'd like us to close our eyes. And just say these words after me. Say, Heavenly Father, 
I thank you. For I belong to you. And therefore, I believe what you have said about me. I am your workmanship created in Christ Jesus. The Bible says when I give my life to Christ, all things have passed away. All things have become new. I therefore declare the truth that I am in Christ. I am in Christ. I am His workmanship. I am His handiwork created in Christ Jesus. I am created for good works. I have the capacity to produce good works because I am in Christ. I have the nature of Christ because I was created in Him. Christ is the substance of my creation. In Christ I am perfect. I am created for good works that God ordained for me to walk in even from the beginning. The old things have passed away. My old nature is gone. A new nature has come. A nature of righteousness. A nature of holiness. I am separated unto God. Because I have his nature. I have his capacity. I can act like Jesus. Because I was made from him. Therefore, love is my nature. Anger is not my nature. Uh, love is my nature. I, I, I walk in love. Because God is love. And I was made from him. Father, I thank you. Because I am in Christ. As I walk through the storms of life, I overcome because I am in Christ. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I have access to everything Christ has access to. I have access to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in me. The Holy Spirit lives in me. The Holy Spirit lives in me. Therefore I know all things. When I seek God, I find what I seek. I have access to the wisdom of God. Because Christ has been made unto me wisdom. I walk in the wisdom of God. In this time, in this age, I walk in the wisdom of God. I walk in the righteousness of God. I walk in the sanctification of God. That is who I am. Therefore I say, therefore I say that I am above only. I am not beneath. I do not withdraw from pressure. I move forward because greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. I take on the big challenges because greater is He that is in me than He 
that is in the world. I bring solutions into my family, into my job, into my business, into my industry, into my nation, because I have been ordained for good works. I have been enabled because I am in Christ. Hallelujah. Come on, give glory to God this morning. Give glory to God this morning. You know, brethren, there is no way we will meditate on the truth of God's word and begin to declare that word over our lives and our lives will not change. It's impossible. We've just done this for a few minutes. If you did it properly, you sense just a difference in your perception in the way you, you are seeing yourself. And it is important you say it out loud. You know, the never endings, you know, when we speak, we, we speak, uh, we, you know, we know about sound waves. The, the vibration of those words go through your whole body. You are informing your body about who you are. Your never endings are communicating to your brain the truth of who you are. Amen. Your whole body is coming into line with the truth. Amen. This is not um, positive confession. Uh, this, this, this is truth bringing your body in alignment with truth because your assignment is too important for the devil to ignore and therefore he is going to come against you every time you hear the word persecution will arise for the sake of the word because he knows that the word is the secret to your fruitfulness and therefore it must be our responsibility to implant that word and, and release it hallelujah we must release it. We must release it. So as the storms come, they are quelled because you are, you are walking in a consciousness of who you are. Amen. We must not be passive. We must be active. Faith is the release of the peace of God. Amen. Oh, come on. Let us praise the Lord this morning. Let us bless his holy name. Let us bless his holy name. Hallelujah.